There's this tradition uh, among communities. Uh, for thousands upon thousands of years, these communities have gotten together and they have read the Psalms together. Uh, churches, people everywhere. And so what I thought we could do is as we start our Psalm series, I thought we could read today's Psalm together in a long tradition and a long line of other churches and other communities and other faith-based faith-based places. Will you guys read Psalm 23 with me? It's going to be up here on the screen. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all of the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Thank you, guys. How many of you have heard this before? That's what I thought, yeah, yeah. My kids, uh, they memorized it when they were two. They have no clue what they're saying. <laughs> um, when I first heard it, somebody told me that, um, that it meant that, that God was my shepherd and that God was looking out for my good or that God was doing good for me. I like that. <clears throat> it, it, it makes sense. I mean, God is doing good, you know, doing good for us. God is looking out for our good. And you have like a, a bunch of verses, a bunch of things going on that tell us this in Scripture. So it's the theme of Scripture, right? God is doing good for us, or God is looking out for our good. It makes sense. The Lord is our shepherd, looking out for our good, doing good for us. Um, there's this tension. There's this tension about what it means to have God do good for us and what we think that should look like, what we think our good should look like, what we think it means when God does good for us. And I thought about this in the most American of ways when I was putting in my air conditioner about a month ago. You guys have to do that? Put your air conditioner in? It's like a New York City right. It's miserable. Anyway, so I'm putting it in, and it's like off balance, and my window won't shut right, and I'm like, the Lord is my shepherd, working for my good, except I can't get my air conditioner in. And like... What an American thing to say, you know? And so I say this, like, really American thing, and it just makes me think about, like, this tension, right? That, that when I think God is working for my good, I want it to be my good. I, I, I want it to be what I think is good. I want it to be where my relationships are peaches and cream, right? My friendships are great. My significant other, things going well with my significant other, our spouse. I want it to be one of those things where I don't have to worry about the way my relationships are handled. That's a big thing for me. You know, I think about the the good things that I'm doing in my life, the creative things that we're all doing, right? And if God is working for our good, then the play that we write, we're going to find a space to put that play on. It's going to happen very soon, and then it's going to open to critical acclaim. And that thing I'm writing, it's Pulitzer Prize worthy. It'll be published in no time, right? That will happen. You know, the the project that I have, that thing is going to take off. God is working for my good. The Lord is my shepherd, right? This place, you know, if the Lord's my shepherd, then I'm not worried about how much my landlord's going to jack up the rent next month or next year or whenever. And if the Lord is my shepherd, then God is working for my good, making sure that I have all the things my neighbors have. I have kids. And listen, Juby and I looked at 30 different places before we found the place that we live in right now. And you know why? Because we wanted space for our kids. And you know what? The Lord is our shepherd working for our good. 
So we found the space, a little lie that we told ourselves. And whenever our kids' friends are in, um, you know, the karate slash French immersion slash impressionist painting class, (laughs) we're going to put our kids in that too. Because the Lord is our shepherd working for our good. Um, until he's not. Until he's not working for our good. Until God is not working for our good any longer. Because there's a tension between uh, what we think is good and what God thinks is good, the way that God works for our good. And so, yeah, you know, God is working for our good. Why am I in the hospital constantly and nobody can figure out exactly what's wrong with me? Why are are people dying? Why was a plane shot over Ukraine? Why are these things happening? If God is working for our good, I don't quite get it. It doesn't seem like God is working for our good. Why is God working for our good if the play that I did write is miserable and I couldn't find a space to open it up? And my, my writing isn't Pulitzer Prize worthy. In fact, I have a stack of rejection letters a mile high. God is not working for my good. There's a tension between the way that God works for our good and the way we want God to work for our good. I think this tension plays itself out in this, in this passage that we just read. It's read at a lot of funerals. It's kind of a weird place to hear it. I feel like it's for the living. It's for us. Um, so, yeah, let's talk a little bit about it. You guys know who, who the theologians are that, or the, the, what most theologians, uh, what most scholars, what most people think is that David wrote this psalm. Okay, that's what they think. You guys know who David was? Israel's national treasure. He was. The man was, you know, he's a man after God's own heart. He killed some bears and lions. He killed a giant. That was pretty cool. What else did he do? He was anointed the next king of Israel. All right, but the the king, the king that was already there, King Saul, wanted to kill David. So David had to go running for a bunch of years in caves, and he had to hide out. But he came back. He became king. Had an affair. Killed somebody else. Messed up his family. The guy's a treasure. He's a, he's a gem. So so this is this is who he is, right? This is who who David was. But he's a man after God's own heart, right? So this is somebody that God uses. He's like the Kennedys of Israel. <laughs> I just threw that in because that's, that's I, yes, anyway. Um, but listen, but God uses him anyway, right? That's an interesting thing to me, that God uses messed up people. Let's re- remember that as we leave here today. But, so he writes this, this psalm, and most people think that he wrote this psalm. Most people think he wrote it uh, uh, during, uh, during a time when he was running away. During a time when he was supposed to be killed, they think he wrote it while he was hiding in caves out in the desert by himself. That's when they think that David wrote this psalm. So, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Right? God is my shepherd working for my good. Well, you're hiding in caves, and you're supposed to be the next king. You've been anointed the next king. Is God really working for your good? You are supposed to be the king. When I was in third grade, I was supposed to be the line leader for the week. It said it on the bulletin board. And then a sub came and she told me I wasn't the line leader. But it said it on the bulletin board. I've lost it. My mom had to pick me up. That's how bad it was. That's how bad it was. Because, cause listen, when we deserve something, we deserve it. We do, right? It's, it, it, we don't do well. God is not working for our good if, if we're not getting what the things that we deserve, the things that we're supposed to get. God's not working for our good. And yet David is supposed to be king. He's hiding out in some cave. And, and you know what else is happening while he's hiding in these caves? Uh, there's some fugitives that are there with him. So not only is David hiding, but there's also you know, rapists and murderers and criminals and liars and cheats who are escaping the law. 
and they're hiding in these caves with David. And it gets to the point where David is actually, uh, he actually has to uh, hang out with these guys, and then he starts to lead them. They have like a little militia kind of thing happening. It's, it's a little crazy. And it makes me think, like, God, you're not working for my good when you put these people in my life that just aren't on the same level as me. Like, you're not. Like, you're not working for my good if people can't help me grow or get to the next level. That's not work. But David says, God, you're my shepherd. You're working for my good. You know that David had two different chances to kill the king. Two different chances to kill King Saul. Um, Saul would have been, he didn't know, he would have been none none the wiser. And and so David could have killed him. And both times, David says, I'm not going to kill you. I want to be honorable to who you are. Both times. Now, if I've been praying to God for deliverance, and the king is there two different times for me to kill, I feel like I'd be disobeying God. I'd be like, I'll kill him. It's all right. I'm going to do that. But David doesn't. David, in my mind, that just feels like uncertainty. We don't do well with uncertainty here in this city. We don't. If you take more than eight seconds to order a cup of coffee, you are a mess. Uncertainty is just, it doesn't work. I mean, think about the way, like, if, if we don't take advantage of our opportunities and go and move, we don't get anywhere. God is not working for our good if we're not taking advantage of the opportunities. You know, Ben uh, spoke last week, did an amazing job talking about play. And it's so indicative. The second we find a hobby, what do we do with it? We say, well, it's an opportunity to advance and do something else and make it a professional thing. We can't even play the right way. God is not working for our good. God is not working for David's good. How is that possible? How can we say that God is working for the good, uh, for the good of David when David's you know, on the run, hiding in caves, trying to be killed, hanging out with a bunch of fugitives? How is God working for our good? There's tension there. But I think this scripture helps us out a little bit. I think it helps us to understand the way God does work in our lives. And I think we have to break apart this passage to get that. Because David says, God, you are my shepherd. I shall not want. You make me lie down in green pastures. You lead me beside still waters. What do you guys think of? What do you think of when you think of green pastures? What do you think of? Still waters? I think of like like Kelly green knee-deep grass, right? Beautiful and then the water's like crystal clear. I think of like little cherubs running around with streamers too. That's me. That's my, I'm allowed to think what I want. It's mine. So I think about that. And, um, and it, you know, when David's talking about green pastures, when David's talking about still waters, he's not talking about that at all. In fact, I have a picture. This is what David's talking about when he's talking about green pastures. That's it right there. And that's what the desert looks like in the Middle East. Those are the green pastures that David is talking about. That's the still water. I don't see much of anything. What is David saying? Well, in the desert, in the Middle East, what happens is is there's just enough wind that blows off the Mediterranean. So coming from the west to the east, blowing off the Mediterranean, what it does is it creates moisture. The moisture gets into uh, the rocks. Okay, so the moisture gets into the rocks, sits on the rocks, and then every now and again, you're going to have a thunderstorm in the desert. It just happens, okay? So as you have a thunderstorm in the desert, you get a little bit of rain, you get this moisture blowing in on the wind from the west, and you get... um, a little bit of water on these rocks, and what happens is these little tufts of grass start to sprout out from like the side of the rock and underneath the rock. So when you're talking about green pastures, what, what David is talking about are these little tiny tufts of grass. And so what happens is, is a shepherd will come along with their staff, and a shepherd will, will lead the sheep and will knock over one of these rocks. And when a shepherd knocks over one of the rocks with a staff, what you see is a few tufts of grass and like a couple droplets of water. 
So what happens is the shepherd brings the sheep over. The sheep eats one bite. It takes like one sip. There are your green pastures. There are your still waters. That's them. One bite, one sip. So it changes the way we look at this passage already, right? The Lord is my shepherd working for my good. But we're in a desert. How does that look? He leads me on the right path. So for thousands of years, the shepherds have been able to do this. They've been leading these sheep down the same pathway for thousands upon thousands of years. And on this pathway, uh, this is where most of the water collects. So there's rocks on both sides. And and the shepherd just goes along knocking over the rocks so that these tufts of grass are there. So that the water, these little droplets of water are there. And and this path has been used for thousands of years. So David is saying, for thousands of of years, God, you have worked for the good this way. Okay, you have taken care of people you know, before, dur- during my time, and a thousand years later, right? You continue to use these paths, these right paths. And the shepherd walks along the right path, one little bite here, one little drop there. One little bite here, one little drop there. So even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. So these right paths have two things that can go very, very wrong with them. Two things. Number one, Predators. You have sheep. Things want to eat sheep. Sheep will die. All right? There's predators. That's a big deal. Number two, uh, when it rains, there are flash floods. In the desert, there's no place for this water to sink down into. So if there's no place for the water to sink, flash floods come creating like these really strong rivers really quickly. And these really strong rivers really quickly will, will wipe out this path. It'll wipe out the sheep. It'll wipe out the shepherd. It'll wipe out everything. So that is what we're talking about when we're talking about the valley of the shadow of death. So what David is saying is he's saying, God, you are working for my good one bite at a time, one drop at a time. And I trust, as hard as it is for me, I trust that you are, you are actually uh, paying attention to whether there are storm clouds in the distance and even though I can't do it myself, I trust that you know if there's something around that's going to eat me or that's going to mess with me. I trust that one step at a time. Then he says, you prepare a table before me in front of my enemies. Well, in the midst of this danger, you have this table, right? What do you guys, what do you think of when you think of the table? What do you think of? I think of, you know what I think? I think of like the long table, like the Vikings, you know what I'm talking about? Like turkey legs, <laughs> goblets of wine, huh? There's probably a roasted pig at the table. I hope so. What do you guys think? Where, where are my Italians? Who's Italian here? A couple of you. Do you guys ever do the um, fish, the the fish thing at, at on Christmas Eve? Like that's a yeah. Thank you. The seven fishes. That's like a really big. That's a big feast at a table. Thanksgiving. What do we think of when we think of the table? It's like a feast, like really really good stuff. And so what David is saying is, God, you are working for my good. You're preparing me a feast. But we just got finished saying that it's one drink at a time, one tuft of grass at a time down this pathway. What is going on here? Well, the sheep would be kept out all day. They'd be kept out all day long for the whole day. And while they're kept out, uh, um, you know, the shepherd, its only job, its only job is to knock these rocks over so that by the end of the day, from like, you know, 5 a.m. to to 9 p.m., at the end of the day, a shepherd will say that these sheep have had a bite here, a mouthful there, a sip there. They've had enough. They have enough to live, enough to where you could almost say, It's been a feast because they're anointed. 
What does it mean to be anointed? It's a simple metaphor. It means to be chosen. It means to be loved. It means to be revered. It means to be set apart. The reason the shepherd works this hard, turning over rocks one rock at a time, is because these sheep are anointed. They're chosen. They're set apart. So David is basically saying, God, you are working for my good. Maybe not in the way I want, because the way I want would have been to be king. But you're working for my good in in the fact that that one step at a time, one sip at a time, one bite at a time, I have enough. Does that resonate? Not for me. I don't want just enough. I don't want a bite at a time. Give me the whole thing. That is what I want. We are the sheep in this metaphor. Sheep are stupid. You guys know that? Yeah. They have brains the size of walnuts. You guys know that? Brains the size of walnuts. I preached this last year. I preached about Psalm, and I told you that I am incredibly fearful of the way sheep blink. Because they blink stupidly, and it scares me like this. I'm like, wah, wah. like, it's really weird. And I think about these things when I think about the sheep, right? I'm going to tell you some other things about sheep. You know that a sheep will bleat itself to passing out? It will. If it thinks there's a predator around, a sheep will, like, whatever that noise is, will do that until it passes out. <laughs> Do you guys know that happens? You guys know that in this metaphor, we're the sheep, right? <laughs> yeah. It does that. What else happens? Um, yeah, so anyway, shepherd's got to stop the sheep from bleeding until it passes out. And, and, uh, and, then, and then, you know, a, a sheep innately and biologically and inherently will wander off. Okay, so, so by the chemistry of a sheep's walnut-sized brain, a sheep will not stick around very long because a sheep ultimately trusts nothing and nobody. It's too dumb to do so. So it wanders off over and over and over. And you get this rod and you see these shepherds like pulling up sheep out of holes and off of cliffs and all the rest because the sheep is inherently not trusting, biologically not trusting. They have no capacity to do so. Did I mention we're the sheep in this? Here's what we do. Here's the tension. God, you're working for my good, and I'm taking a bite. You've just knocked over a rock. I'm taking a bite full. I'm, I have a, a sip of water, and I don't trust, God, that the next sip, the next step, the next rock is out there. I don't trust that it's there. You must not be working for my good. You must be working in some way that is not for me. And so I'm going to trust in something else. I'm going to put my identity in something else. Lord, you're not my shepherd. My family is my shepherd. I shall not want. My friends, my shepherd, I shall not want. My project, my music, whatever it might be, is my shepherd I shall not want until that thing disappoints me or gets stale or gets old or doesn't work the way I want it to either and I wander off. Let me ask a question. What would happen? What would happen if God plopped us down in the middle of the Kelly Green Fields with that great incredible water and the little cherubs running around with the streamers? What would happen? What would happen? I would not move an inch. I wouldn't go anywhere. I'd sit right there doing nothing. I'd grow in no way. I wouldn't get anything accomplished. I'd be there. Maybe when God works for our good, God knows exactly what God's doing by getting us to go one step at a time, 
one mouthful at a time, one bite at a time, one sip at a time, until we have enough. Until we have enough. And here's what I realize about this Psalm 23 passage. God is working. God is working for our good. It just takes a while. God's working for our good. It just takes a while. That's what I have figured out. God works for our good. It it just takes a while. And so the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. God's working for my good. It's just happening one bite at a time, one mouthful at a time, one sip at a time. And I look up and I trust that the shepherd 10 yards away knows what's best for me for that time. It's a tough way to trust. It's a tough way to say God is doing good in our lives, but it makes all the difference in the world. And maybe that's all we need to focus on today. Maybe we just focus on the fact that this psalm, Psalm 23, means that God is giving us just enough for right now. Maybe that's what it means. Maybe that's what we focus on today. I challenge you this week to read this again. I challenge you this week to read this with new eyes. In fact, I, I read it with some new eyes and I wrote this prayer down, this, this, this new passage. And, and, and maybe you guys can do the same. Maybe you write this out differently the way I did. But this is what I wrote after reading this. I said, the Lord is my shepherd, yes, working for my good. God is giving me just enough to get me through today, just enough so that I can live, even though I'm uncertain. I have got to trust that God sees the struggles, the dangers, the issues, the fears, the doubt, even if I don't think so. And even though I'm literally sick and literally in trouble and at my end, I have to trust that God has somehow thought about that. And in the midst of all that, God gets me to the next rock and the next rock and the next until it's like I've feasted. And whether I believe it or not, or whether or not I'm the sheep that refuses to rest because I think I'm under attack, whether or not I wander off not believing there's any food on this mountain, I am chosen, I am loved, I am anointed. And so I have to trust that this shepherd, that he or she will always make sure that in the midst of my uncertainty, there is a goodness, a path, sustenance, and hope all the days of my life. God is our shepherd working for our good. Sometimes it just takes a while. I was listening to a podcast recently, a guy named Andy Stanley, who's a pastor down in Atlanta. And he tells this story. And uh, he got to meet the president last year. He got to meet Barack Obama last year. So he's telling this story about how he got to meet the president. And he says that him and 10 other pastors, they go down into this room. And the Secret Service take them down into this room. They line them all up. And they, they line them up, and they're all in this row. And, uh, and the Secret Service say, hey, don't move out of this line. The president's going to come down. He's going to shake your hands. We're going to tell him your name so that, you know, stay in this order. So Andy Stanley says, okay, I'll stay in this order. So he starts talking to the guy next to him. The guy next to him is named uh, Reverend Otis Moss. Incredible guy, also a pastor in Georgia. And uh, Reverend Moss uh, was born in 1935 in rural Georgia, Reverend Moss is an African-American man. And so you you can only imagine, I can't imagine, what it might have been like for an African-American man in 1935 in rural Georgia. So Andy Stanley is listening to Reverend Moss's story. And when Reverend Moss was 16, 1951, his parents were both killed, leaving him orphaned. And so Andy Stanley says, I can't imagine, you know, what it was like to be an African-American man in 1935. I can't imagine what it would be like to be orphaned in the South in the 50s. And so Reverend Moss tells him his story. He says, you know, I was called into the, 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 you know, I was called to be a pastor. 
And I worked tirelessly in the civil rights movement in the South, and I saw my friends killed, and I saw them arrested, and I saw my friends hurt, and I saw people, you know, just treated in ways that you would never want to treat another human being. I saw all that. I witnessed it. And Andy Stanley said at this point, like, you know, he's like, here I am, this, like, you know, white guy from the suburbs, and I just start crying because I don't know what else just you know, embarrassed and I don't know what to say to Reverend Moss because he's been through so much and he's done so much. And so Reverend Moss continues to tell his story and says, you know, this is, this is the life I've lived. I've lived this life. It's been an incredible life. It's been a, a difficult life. It's been all of the above. And then all of a sudden, uh, Stanley says that, that like, all of a sudden all the secret servicemen just rise to attention, just sit up straight. And all of a sudden you hear walking down the steps, here comes President Obama walking down the steps. President Obama comes walking down and, uh, and you can't see him yet. And Reverend Moss leans over to Andy Stanley and says, the Lord, the Lord does good for those who love him. The Lord does good for those who love him. That's what he says. And then all of a sudden, President Obama walks in. Everybody starts shaking hands. And then Reverend Otis Moss leans over to Andy Stanley and says, but sometimes it just takes a while. The Lord is our shepherd, we shall not want. Rock by rock, sip by sip. Sometimes it just takes a while. Let's pray. Forgive us, God, for not believing that you are enough. Forgive us for wanting life to look the way we want it to look. And thank you, because we know we're forgiven already. That's just great news. So God, help us to see you leading us. Help us to see the straight path. And help us to trust that you are just a couple steps ahead leading us on this journey. We pray this in your name. Amen.